welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm Ross Chevalier, and once again, I'm really excited to be joined by my dear friend, Mr. Cody Shaw. How you doing, Cody? I'm really good, Ross. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Oh, uh, no, man. Uh, very good response to our first conversation. Awesome. Um, so uh, I really enjoyed the our conversation, and I look forward to continuing them. Now, you had some really good ideas for us to chat about, and it's kind of freeform, and I like that a lot. Awesome. I think one of the first topics that I thought we could spend a few minutes on is, why do people play? Why do we play? And this is a question that you brought up, so maybe you could give us a start. I Well, I, I brought up the question. I thought of it might be a good thing to chat about because I've asked myself that question a lot. And uh, over the years, it's the answer has changed, you know? So the, the variables in, in, in the why are going to be infinite and everyone's going to have their own answer. But, you know, the simplest version, the simplest answer I can come up with is because it brings me joy. You know, I, when I do it, nothing else is bothering me, you know? Mm -hmm. When I have a guitar in my hands, whether it's in a rehearsal room with a bunch of other guys or, or girls, or on a stage in front of a bunch of people, or whether it's in my bedroom, you know, um, nothing else matters. The, the edge is, is taken off. I'm enjoying it. I mean, there's, there are definitely moments where, you know, your guitar is going out of tune and that might drive you nuts. There's times where you pick it up and, you know, everything's going wrong that day. But in general, you know, generally speaking, you know, when you pick it up and you start riffing and you dial in a sound that's awesome and, and, you know, you come up with a riff or you've learned a riff that somebody else wrote that you love, you know, it, all of the stress of the world seems to go away at least for a couple minutes. And I think the endorphin rush from that is something that you can get hooked on. You know, I think different people get their endorphin rush and you know from different places i think for musicians it's it's nailing that note it's it's finding that tone it's it's the search for the tone it's 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 going through the motions and and that's why i play because it brings me great joy for me it has to be because it gives me pleasure yeah because i don't think much of my own playing mm -hmm. i don't have a lot of confidence i mean i played when i was in high school in bands yeah. But I really didn't know how badly I sucked. Neither did I. <laughs> and it's not something that I do now. Yeah. And sure, you know, I do like to get together with a friend and just sit down and hack around mm -hmm. because I get a lot out of that. I don't do it nearly enough. Mm -hmm. And there's a great joy in that, playing with other people, to your point, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll also sit with a guitar. And just sit. And sometimes I may just be holding it for 45 minutes and not doing anything. Yeah. But it's comforting. It is. Uh, it's very comforting. And as you say, some days there is nothing good coming out of this. Right. I can't play. <laughs> the guitar is fighting me all the way. It's going, no, old man, put me down. You're <laughs> yeah. just going to screw this up. But then there yeah. are other days where you just pick it up and you said it's the note. Yeah. And you just hear that one thing and it takes you to places that are, I can't speak for other people, but for me, they're just amazing. Yeah. That note, you know? Yeah. It's, 
whether it's the sound, like whether it's something you're that calls you back to a time in your life that you think about with either like great fondness or sadness or whatever, it 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 just takes you out of that, takes you out of the moment then and transports you somewhere else. And sometimes that's the best feeling in the world. Sometimes it, it cannot be a good feeling because it can bring you back to places obviously you don't want to remember. But overall, just to be able to go on that journey with an instrument, you know, is I think is a special thing. And I that's why I think people pick it up. That's that's why I pick it up, you know. And I think that you're right. Yeah. You know, we've seen through the pandemic the greatest boom in guitar yeah. sales ever. And now we're starting to see the greatest boom ever in used instruments. Because lots yeah. of people picked up an instrument when they couldn't do anything else. That's right. And for a lot of folks, it sank in. But then for a lot of people, it didn't. Mm -hmm. They just didn't get enough out of it to keep playing instead of doing something else. You know, I think there's a, a large social element. And some folks will socialize without being musicians. Yeah. And if that works for them, I suppose that's fine. I'm not that person. You know, I don't want to go to a bar and pay four times what it would cost to drink at home. Right. If I was a drinker. Yeah. But I would happily go out to hear somebody play live music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It might take some drinks to get me to go out and play live music, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, I think you follow me, right? Absolutely, yeah. And you, keep, you know, I keep coming back to what you said—the note. Yeah. I remember watching BB King uh, in a video interview. I mean, I did get to see him live a couple of times. Awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. But he had said a couple of things. He said. You know, in his BB accent, you know, two things. Why are you working so hard? Yeah. And it was a conversation about string gauge. Yep. And the second was, why are you playing so many notes? Yeah. And I, for me, I agree. BB King could say more in one note than some of these incredibly talented shredders say in 300. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're not talented people. And that doesn't mean that other folks don't like that music, but it does less for me. Yeah. You know, I remember sitting in Buddy Guy's club in Chicago, and he's a pretty talented cat. Mm -hmm. And he's not nearly as big a man as people think. But man, his fingers touch that guitar. And there's more than just a man, fingertips, steel strings, and an amp. Yeah. There's something else. I don't know what the something else is. It, I, yeah, it's hard to put into words when you, like, when you, when you hear it, you know? And, and it doesn't have a sound. Like, it's, it's not necessary. I don't find it has, like, a specific sound to, tied to a certain type of player, a certain type of music. It's just, a, you know, every once in a while, you'll get that special player in that with that special guitar in their genre and it just touches you and bam you know well i i agree and you know i i think of uh, i think of people who go out and play out live whether they're playing covers something that you had brought up mm -hmm. or they're playing their own stuff and i've seen 
a lot of people play and all they play is covers and they're very successful and they seem to really enjoy it. But I don't get the magic that I get out of seeing a musician or a band play something that they crafted themselves. And I mean crafted, not, you know, thrown into the DAW of the week, add a drum loop, add yeah, a bass loop. Yeah. And yeah. auto-tune a vocal within six inches of its life. Yep. You know, actually try something. You know, I think of Eric Johnson in that regard. Mm -hmm. I could buy all that gear. I could study for decades. And when finger hits string, I'm not going to sound like Eric Johnson. Right. And, you know, it's important to have that moment. Like maybe it's important to go through the process. I mean, if you can figure that out without spending all that money, <laughs> I mean, do it. <laughs> oh, because man, you're so right. You, you know, but it, I think it's an important lesson to learn that no matter what gear you buy, whether you're replicating somebody's setup or buying their signature strings, guitars, pedals, et cetera, you know, no matter what, it's going to come out sounding like you. So figure out what that is, you know? And as you said, it's going to change over time. It's totally going to change over time it's in ways that you probably wouldn't even expect. I never thought in a thousand years that I would ever move away from a certain type of guitar sound or a certain type of amplifier sound. And then through being in the industry and just being a fan of music in general, being and, and, you know, recording music as well, you know, that had, that forced me to broaden my, my taste and, you know, where I, what I found endearing in terms of guitar sounds and guitar tones and just music in general versus where I'm at now. It's not that I don't like any of that. It's just, it's, it's the, the, the channel has widened so much. You Your know? perspective is opened. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And music okay. does that. Right. But, it, I, but going back to what you were saying about, about no matter what you do, it's going to sound like you, like there's, there's a, there, I believe there's a beauty in that particular moment, that moment of realization. And instead of letting that maybe discourage you, let that encourage you because, you know, if you're trying to learn that smoke on the water riff and you're playing it wrong, you know, you playing it wrong or in the wrong position ends, winds up being your style. It, it, you know, you, you taking something else on as inspiration and maybe, maybe the, your errors, you know, or what would be perceived as errors, you know, become little quirks to, to your playing style that eventually, you know, become signature hallmarks for you down the, down the road. Well, you know, that's really interesting that you bring up smoke on the water because you may have heard what Richie Blackmore said when he saw how people played it. Yeah. He said, I never played it like that. Yeah. I played it this way. Yeah. And those who wanted to sound like Mr. Blackmore lost their stuff. Mm -hmm. And others said, okay, but I like it. I'm happy with it. Mm -hmm. And then they moved on. That's right. I think you're getting your own sound has a lot of value. And it's not about gear. There's nothing wrong with gear. Some yeah. people get a lot of fun out of it. I admit, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Yep. But really, we don't need 9,000 variants of the Tube Screamer or 8,000 variants of the Klon. And there is no pedal on the, in the world that's worth $8,000. Yeah, I agree. I, I personally agree there. I know there's a lot of people out there that would debate that for days, but I personally agree yeah, with you. Cody, 
they're not here. Yeah. And we have the <laughs> that's, microphones. That, that's right. I keep forgetting. What's really interesting, you know, what we talk about, uh, spending money on gear and pedals and all these options that are out there, all these, you know, derivatives of the tube screamer and the rat, et cetera, et cetera. I've, I've literally been in the position where I've seen people come in with, you know, boards that are actual like motherships, you know, and they're coming in with, with the best of the best amps and the best of the best guitars, you know, and that's, that's awesome, you know, but what I really want to know is, is like, like, what do you sound like when you play? Like, and, and it's not a judging thing. It's like, no. I actually, if you're this invested, you must really have a lot to say musically. Like, play me a riff that you wrote. Play me a song you wrote. Like, I just want to hear what you have to offer because what you buy in terms of gear doesn't, it, 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 it's really useful in terms of tone shaping and using it as a tool. But, you know, a, a carpenter doesn't let the, the miter saw do the talking for him. It's the quality of his work that, that he- Oh, no, absolutely. You know, and I and I'm st- and then over the years, I think I've sort of fallen m- more into that category in terms of like I want to hear what you have to say because there's no piece of gear that I can buy that's going to get me to something that you made, right? It's not going to get me to a place where I can I can rep- replicate what you would have had to write or or show me. You know, I I think that's true, and I think it changes over time. At least it has for me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started playing guitar, I had very definite rock influences. For me, it was Jimmy Page and, you know, Alex Lifeson. And, wow, the only way that you could be successful was to have a cherry sunburst last ball. Of course. Another color wouldn't sound the same. That's right. And it had to be a Marshall stack. And not one cabinet, it had to be two. Mm -hmm. And as wonderful as those things were, and still are, I'm not Jimmy Page, and I'm never going to be Jimmy Page. Yeah. And I appreciate it more. Now, that doesn't mean I don't still love all that old gear. Yeah. But my perspective has changed. I'm not trying to be Page. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, even if I could get his incredible technique, you know, that people who don't know anything about guitar call sloppy. Even if I could get that, I'm never going to be him. Right. So it comes down, am I having fun yet? Yeah. Because if I'm not having fun, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, and you, this brings up a question that you had talked about is, and this is not something that I can talk to well, and that's the people who go out and play. Mm-hmm. The people who go out and play a lot, you know, um, what was the, the subject that you brought up? The guys and gals who've been playing in bars for 20 years mm-hmm. and they still go out and do it. Yeah. What drives them? That's a great question. I mean. Well, it's your question. You, well, thank credit you. To you. You thought. <laughs> yeah, thanks it. a lot, Matt. Um, <laughs> That's again, that's another question that I've, that I've asked. It's just, you know, what, I guess, what are your motivations and what are your goals? You know, if, if your goal is, is to like, if you've identified that you love playing guitar and it makes you feel good, right? My theory is, is that you'll want to do that as often as you can, no matter where that is, you know, whether that's at home, whether that's in a small bar, whether that's on a big stage, whether that's part of a traveling this or traveling that. So I think 
the people that keep going are the people who have just figured out that they just love doing it and that it brings them great joy. And the, the, the things about, oh, I'm not making, you know, as much money as I thought uh, I would be, you know, or, you know, I, I don't want to play that place again. There's 10 flights of stairs till we get up, you know, I've, I've met people that, that hone in on those, those aspects. And those are the guys that, that ultimately stop playing. And the guys that are, that just say how much fun they had, they talk about how much fun they had at the gig and, you know, how great the other artists were and how, you know, how great the audience was, whether it was one person or a hundred people or a thousand people, you know, those guys are the ones that I find are the lifers. Yeah. And, and they just hone in on the, on the positive aspect. And, and it always comes down to, I had such a good time playing the gig. I just want to have fun, you know? You know, I, I can't, for me, with my age and my perspective, mm-hmm. I can't see why you do it otherwise. I mean, yeah. who's getting rich in this business anymore? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, you could call it, well, Taylor Swift makes billions of dollars. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. She's a diamond in the rough on a, you know, on a planet that exists outside this galaxy, though, in terms of odds, though, right? You know? Yeah. And that's the point. Yeah. And at some point, you know, however talented she is, and and I don't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. At some point, the world's going to turn left. Well, that's just it, you know. And, and then, you know, it's over. And if she loves what she does, she'll just keep doing it. Yes. I mean, I look at I look at the bands that I followed mm-hmm. coming up, and and e- even in my teens. I mean, I recently saw a video of Chrissy Hine. She's getting on mm-hmm. she plays her yeah butt off when she comes out and plays yeah you know what was the big was it glastonbury was the big show in the uk recently i th- i think so yeah you know when she came out and you know she's got that beat up telecaster and i don't care how old she is yeah she rocks and she looks like she's having fun absolutely and, and you know, that, I think Debbie Harry is 77. Oh man, she's she's she killing kills it. it. Yeah, she's killing it when she plays. And I think the again, you know, the big thing is is like when when you see something like that, like Chrissy Hines or, or Debbie Harry, you know, I'm not stopping to go, oh man, she's she's using the the latest, you know, line six wireless microphone and, and that's why she must be having such a good time. You know what I mean? It's of course she's got good gear because she's you know, she's, she's in the position she's in and she's a professional, but that's not, that's not getting her out of bed every day. She's not thinking about, well, what a great microphone I'm going to get to sing through tonight. She's thinking about the fun that she's going to have while she's doing it and playing her gig. And I think, I think that's it, whether you're the singer, whether you're the guitar player, the drummer, you know, um, whether you have a lot of pedals, a lot of guitars, very little, you know, gear, any of that stuff. I think ultimately if you can find joy in doing it you know that's going to keep you doing it and and the things that might deter certain folks like what we were talking about you know oh i'm i'm not making any money and it gets me you know i'm i gotta go rehearse two nights of the week and you know there's i've i've heard it all i I feel like i've already heard it all because i got i was personally playing in bands when i was a really young guy before i could even play i was playing in bands right and playing in bands with older guys as well Guys my age and, and older guys as well. And, you know, the guys that wanted to make it because they wanted to be rock stars, they, some of those guys were some of the greatest players that I've still played with to this day. Like, 
they were fantastic and they're not playing anymore. And if I ever get the chance to catch up with them and I, and then that subject comes up, why aren't you playing anymore? Oh, well, you know, I had my time. We, you know, didn't work out. I didn't become a big rock star. So, but, but, but you're such a great player. I would assume that a great player of your caliber would just be playing all the time, no, no matter what. And that's not the case. So I don't, I don't know if it's something, I, it, I don't think it's the gear that you own. I don't think it's the, you know, it's, it's recognizing the joy that you get when you hit that note, you know? I, I mean, I, I think about BB again. Yeah. When I fought, the last time I saw him, he, he could barely walk. Mm-hmm. You know, he was helped to his chair. Yes. And he sat down and they hung Lucille around his neck. Mm-hmm. And he was BB King. That's right. That first, you know, that the BB note, yep. the BB trill, he plays that. And I know he did it on purpose. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, and yeah. I respect him for it. Yeah. And the whole audience just warmed up yeah they were like we're in the living room together now man do whatever yeah it wasn't like it's a concert hall yeah and that that i think is magic you know i went to the uh here where we live um there's a music store called cosmo and they have an event well this is the first one in years and i was sitting uh in the back row as a guest uh watching larry basilio okay not real familiar with her music, but watching her play. Yeah. Her eyes are closed, her head's back, she's got this giant grin on her face. To your point, I don't think she cared if the audience was there. Yeah. And I was talking to the fellow, a fellow who was another guest who was sitting beside me, and he said, man, she's really got it. And we talked during a break, and uh, he plays guitar right now with Lee Aaron. Mm-hmm. Again, for those in America, you may not know who Lee Aaron is, but she's been... She's uh, been around for a minute. She's been around for a minute, yep. and she's a killer sing- singer, and she still is. And I just read this week that she's, you know, getting a, a, a star on the Canadian Walk of Fame. And good for her. And good for her. Absolutely. Because she's been kicking it. For decades. Yes, she has. I remember seeing Learen when my hair was brown. And <laughs> that was a long time ago. A guy I used to work with played guitar for her. Oh, yeah, because Frank played guitar with, That's right, yeah. with Lee. Mm-hmm. And good for her. Mm-hmm. I wonder why she still does it. Yeah. I think it's probably because it matters to her. Yeah. It's not about making someone else happy. And that makes me, you know, I start to wonder, because it is different. And and we talked before we started about when Kia was on, and she mentioned that a lot of the younger people that she deals with, yeah, they record and share all the time. Yeah. Me being officially an old curmudgeon, I record, I share nothing. Yeah. Partly it's confidence, but partly it's what, who, who am I trying to please? Right. I'm just like, to, I just like to get out of a day with something that doesn't sound like sewage to my own ears. Right. 
And we are our own harshest critics too. So Oh, absolutely. You know. And and whether that's generational or not, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. It does seem like the younger people are more impacted by what other people think than what we think. And I'm certainly my own harshest critic. Yeah. You know, I'll play something and I've had kids come to me and go, man, that was that was beautiful. Like sitting in a, your guitar store. Yeah. With a guitar and the amp not turned up so the whole planet can hear me. Yeah. And literally just noodling. Mm-hmm. And this young young fellow, maybe nine or ten, he just sat there and he he listened. And then he said, I hope you don't mind, but I really like the sound of that. And then I got all embarrassed and I couldn't put two <laughs> notes together. But, yeah, it's funny how that happens, oh, right? Man, it, well, it threw me off. I'm sure yeah. there are other people way better that it doesn't throw off. I don't know that it's age, but I'm, I hope I'm not, I am been influenced as a player, but I don't care what other people think. Yeah. And I get a sense, certainly in the visual arts, it's very different. And as I said to you, you know, I do a photography show and there's a very clear demographic between who cares about likes and social media and who doesn't. Yeah. And that could be a commitment level. There could be age into it. There's a lots of things. And I wonder now, does that change? How important is the influencer's approval versus your own? Yeah. Wow. I know it's such a, it's such a different time, right? You know, and yeah, like we, it's such a great thing to have these influencers that are out there that try these pieces of gear and, and bring them to our attention. But I think that the only, the only danger in that is I find that there's still people who, there's a lot of people who, no matter what the influencer says, whether they say this piece of equipment is garbage, it's fantastic. There's people like me and you who go, I'll, I'll know when I try it for myself. You know, doesn't make me not want to watch your video. I'll probably still watch it just oh, because no. I'm a sponge for information. But and I may have respect for the person who is yes. doing the test. Yes. But if there's guys like Manu who would still like to put it in our hands and, and form our own opinion. I think one of the negative things, potentially, I'm not trying to paint any crowd out with the same brush here. Um, I think one of the negative things potentially with maybe some of the younger demographic is Maybe that's viewed upon as, oh, he's already figured that out for me, so therefore I'm going to move on. And I think there's a big difference between an influencer um, acting more as a compass for you, mm-hmm. you know, whether you, whether it's worth your time to maybe check it out, versus letting them just decide in your your opinion for you, and you regurgitating what you heard on YouTube as your opinion and making that your own, because that's that's a that's a different place. You yeah, know? And, and for me, I don't mind coming out and saying I think that that's death. That's that's the worst kind of evil. Yeah, surrendering your own mind to someone else. Hey, and yeah. others may have a different opinion, and absolutely their choice. Yeah, but again, I own the microphone, so <sighs> I, I get to call it. But I think you're right. You know, I look at these influencers, and like you, I'm a sponge. Yeah, I'll give anybody a try. Why not? Why, Why not? not? The yeah. worst thing that happens is I go, uh, no. Yeah. And I hit stop and I'll move on. And I think that there's a bunch of folks out there who are influencers. 
you know, who get the gear sent to them or get called into, you know, like something like the big Sweetwater event that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And hey, they're absolutely entitled to their opinion. But I'm old and cynical enough to to ask the question, and I shared this with you before we started. Uh, it's a Latin phrase, qui bono. Yeah. Who benefits? Right. Now, if you're a paid influencer, well, that's your job. And you're probably not going to throw the company that's paying you under the bus or call their product crap. Yeah. Even if you think it is. You're going to work hard to find something nice to say. Yeah. And sometimes I find some of these influencers, not all of them, are reading the same script. You watch their video and it's literally word for word. I have come across that more times than I care to even admit. It's like I can read a press yeah. release too. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, and, totally. <laughs> and, and the yeah. most recent one uh, the, that occurs to me is Paul Reed Smith Guitars recently announced and released uh, their version. Oh, the, uh, their Telecaster? Of, the, of a Telecaster. Yeah. You know, yeah, okay, that. it's not a Telecaster. You can't call it a Telecaster. Yeah. You know, as Danny Partridge once said, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck. Right. And for those of you who don't know who Danny Partridge is, well, that's just too bad. Literally, 90% of the reviews I saw were readings of the press release. Yep, they were. And I don't get any value from that. Neither I would actually stop paying attention to someone who did that. Yeah. Once, once you've watched the second or third video and you start hearing the same same phrasing and you know all of the you know oh look at the charm of this finish and 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 all of the same buzzwords are coming up over and over again oh, yeah. your spider sense should be going off like i'm not getting you know i'm not getting real information i'm literally getting fed the script that was given to these guys by x guitar company x amp company x pedal company you know i i agree and in, in you know, I, I come from the technology industry and we used to have a game that we, who were spokespeople and I was a spokesperson. Yeah. You know, I would speak to groups as small as two and as big as 4,500. And we used to play a game called Bullshit Bingo. And, and I play that now with guitars. You know, yeah. if I, if someone in a review says authentic, I go bing. Yeah. If they say iconic. Yeah. I go bing. Yeah. And if they say vintage. Marketing words. I go bingo. Marketing words. Yeah. It came straight all, from the marketing it's, team. It's, it's all BS. Yeah. And that I think is, look, I understand it because traditional advertising has gone the way of the dodo. Right. The influencer YouTube video podcast has replaced advertising for a lot of these companies. Yeah. But man, people, I teach leadership. And what I've learned in the decades of doing that is no matter how intellectually smart a person is, every one of them has a very, very effective bullshit detector. Yeah. And I can't believe that there are people who believe this line of crap 
you know, I'd rather have someone come out and say, okay, I like what they did here. This was really interesting. And why is it $700 more than the next thing? Or it's a very interesting set of finishes. Yeah. And they all look like something the cat threw up. Yeah. I'd be happier with that. I don't even have to agree. Yeah. But I want to hear some honesty and some integrity coming out of these people. Well, isn't it, don't you find it funny that I, I feel I'm almost getting, getting it more straight from a, like if they were to film a commercial for the product, like if I was going to get a commercial for the new PRS Tele guitar, at least I know then because they're, they're not trying to hide it. It's just, no. we're endorsing this guitar. Here's our buzzwords. Here's our color palette. Here's our signature artists that we've also put in line to back this product up, you know, but when you, when you when you try to push it into the influencers world that all claim that, you know, for the most part, that a lot of them claim they're unbiased and that, you know, and you feel like it's and being presented as, as truth and, and totally unbiased. Like that's where the, that's where things get dangerous, you know, especially nowadays when I, I find, and, and again, not to go on a big rant about, you know, nowadays, but with, with people being so content to let the influencers make their make a, an opinion for or form an opinion for them that's that's a scary thing you know um i think no matter what whatever the product is like influences aren't going away so i'm not i'm not no. i'm not trying to discourage watching those videos like i said i still do but for a, a but bring your filter yeah yeah you gotta you gotta understand that like half of this is is it's it's like watching reality tv it's pr it's pretty much fake you know? Oh yeah. It's, it, and, and look, I get it. You yeah. know, I've had the opportunity to, to sit with, with Mr. Paul Reed Smith. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people don't like him. I think very highly of him. He is a different guy. Yeah. And I know that some folks find him really hard to take, but he is pretty much straight up and he believes in what he's doing. Yeah. And if he says, I'm going to send this thing out, and the people who review it are going to say it's great. That's a business decision. Absolutely. And I can get that. I really can. You know, if he's got a signature artist who's got their name on one of his guitars, and I'm not picking on PRS, because if I wanted to go down the rant of signature artists you've never heard of, I'd yeah. say the word Fender. Yeah. But if he's going to get those people, their name is on it. They're going to say. Yeah probably some good stuff about the product well that's that's how that whole thing works you know i say good things about this product therefore when your next product comes out i will get that and i will get the next thing and i will be able to continue being an inf influencer i'm doing air quotes by the way and you'll be able to continue making these business decisions and ha have guys like me sell your guitars for you and i don't even work for prs right and and again just like i just wanted to preface with i i have no bone to pick with prs that just happens to be the most recent new release oh, that yeah, i can absolutely. think of that's, that, that, that uh, was the that's the most every guitar manufacturer is guilty one. for what we're talking about not just prs they're they're, they're no, and, they make and, great and, guitars and frankly some of them are more full of crap than others yeah absolutely you know i despite my frustration and annoyance mm -hmm. with the Xerox photocopier reviews of the NF53 and the Miles Kennedy. Yeah. They're all perfect. They're all nearly word for word. 
that's disappointing. They're not the only culprit. Yeah. You know, if I were going to get the bus out, I'd put Gibson and Fender in front of it long before I put ERS. They're all guilty of it. They're they all, they all are. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's yeah. just how it it's, goes. It's part of how the game is played when you're when you're a music uh, when you're a mu- music manufacturer, whether it's and, again, and a lot of the retail stores now are taking on the role of influencers. Yeah, I mean, you look at Anderton's music out of the UK. Yeah, isn't that crazy how they've how that turned into its own sort of YouTube dynasty? Oh, it you know? has. Yeah, and they do a really good job. They do. And they've got a bunch of really cool different style segments. So yeah, like they were ahead of the curve big time on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, know, I think about, you you know, they've changed, for example, they're all about the bass channel. Yeah. And I personally prefer the old presenters. Mm -hmm. I like Nathan and Lee. They were very funky. And Nathan particularly was frequently out of control. Yeah. He called it as it was. And uh, he's no longer there. I don't know why. That's a business choice. Right. Hey, maybe he's on a long-term gig. I don't know. And I think Ian Lee, who's come a long way as a player, Mm -hmm. Meanderton, and Mr. Peter Honore, who is a brilliant, multifaceted guitarist. He really can play anything. And by using Peter, he can make anything sound decent. Except for this week's video about Fender acoustics. Ain't nobody can save those pieces of crap. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> but the challenge I have is that everything he reviews is excellent. Yeah. It's all great. And yet, I've bought enough stuff to know it's not all great. Yeah. And, and this is what you said. You know, it's the people who say, oh, Joe Blow said this was the next best thing, and it is. And let me just regurgitate what he said. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happened to me. I, I I bought a warm audio Centavo. Yeah. Which is their, it's one of the billion Klon clones. Yeah. This one's in a gold case. It has I the right so by color the yeah. knobs. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a Klon. Yeah. Like most of the other Klon clones. There is no magic resistor and no magic capacitor. Electronics work. That's right. They follow these laws called physics. If you do the thing the same way, it will be the same result. Yep. But this person saw that I had a Centavo. That's a great pedal. Oh, you've tried one? No. Yeah. Then how do you know it's a great pedal? Well, because because so and so told me so and so said so. I saw a review and it sounded good. Yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, I got to tell you, Ross. No, it didn't. (laughs) As as somebody who works for a music retailer, I see that day in and day out. Well, you'll see it more than I will. Yeah, people have. Not everyone. Not everyone. And this is and this is kind of what we were talking about before. There are some people who still go. I got to try it first. And I respect those people a lot because at least they have the courage to put, you know, put themselves on the chopping block and say, I don't really like it when every other influencer or every other person who's, who's susceptible to the opinion of an influencer says, yes, 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 yes. 
But I see a lot of people come in and exactly what you said, you know, oh, you have the new, you know, the new Wazacraft this. Oh, I heard it's fantastic. You know, and again, not fashion boss or anything like that, but just before they've even tried it, they've watched, you know, 10, 15 YouTube reviews or influencer uh, videos on the subject. And whether sometimes they don't even want to try it in the store. They're just, they're just boom. I want to take it home. I'm like, don't you want to try it? Well, I'd rather try it. Okay, fair enough. I like trying stuff at home too. Yeah. No, I, and I personally am that way. Yeah. And that's totally, that's, that's absolutely fine. I've gotten to a point now where, because I work in, in that store that I'll, I'll try it at home. I'll try it where I, it doesn't matter to me anymore, but I see a lot where people have adopted the opinion of somebody simply because, you know, they're a presence that comes up on their phone every day. So therefore this must be the gospel, you know, this, this, uh, this guy with the Afro, he's, he's telling me it's good. So therefore it must be good. Let me shell out. Oh, it's $500 now. No problem. Here you go. And it's just crazy to me that, you know, it's a bad monkey. You should pay six hundred dollars for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, isn't that hilarious how that uh, stuff Josh, happens, Josh, right? Josh kills me, and I know he's yeah. doing it on purpose. Oh man, he he's trolling everybody now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I and he's in on the joke, and I love it. But I th I think um I think it's really important at the end of the day with all the all the fun we're having talking about some of the influencers i just think it's really important to form your own opinion and and if that goes against the grain let it go against the grain because oh, people absolutely. respect you for having your own opinion versus going with the flow you know and if they don't respect you at first they will over time because they'll learn they'll learn that you're a free thinker and that you you're not just gonna say something's great because everybody else does you know that's not the way this world turns you know well, I hope it's not. I don't want to think that the world has turned into way back in 1985. Mm -hmm. Apple made a commercial that never aired called Lemmings. Okay. And it was nasty. Yeah. Funny as hell. Is this, can I find this on YouTube? You probably can. Okay. And it's a bunch of men yeah. in blue suits with white shirts just walking as a herd over a cliff. Yeah. And of course it was meant as an attack on IBM and the PC and there's no thought involved right. where Macintosh was something different. Mm -hmm. And I howled, but I was working in the industry and distributors and salespeople hated it. Yeah. Because it dared to challenge the preconception. Right. You know, and, and you talk about, look, I'll try a piece of gear myself. And I may find that I'm of the same opinion as the influencer. Yep. That it's a really fine piece of kit. That absolutely happens. Right? Yeah. The Again, we'll come back to PRS. The SEDJT, which is around a thousand bucks, is not as good as a core DGT, which is right. over $5,000 with a two-year wait. Ask me how I know. Yes. However, in that price point, it's killer. That's a killer guitar. Right. It's, it's built really well. It plays really well. It sounds great. 
And if you're willing and in your budget and you want to drop a thousand or thirteen hundred bucks on an electric guitar, mm -hmm. it's a pretty damn versatile, well-built instrument that will last a long time. Yeah. And I happen to agree with the six million influencers who read the press release. But yeah. it's I liked it. Yeah, and 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 you know, if if there is a product that comes out and you do agree. That's, you know, we're not, we're not saying disagree with everything and, you know, rebel and, you know, we're not, we're, I don't think either of us are trying to say that at you, all. You don't have to find a windmill and go tilt at it. Yeah, exactly. Right. If, if something comes out and it's good product, it's good product. But, um, I think ultimately it's just, you know, again, just honing in the, the judge for yourself, let your ears decide if you like it and nobody else does, that's okay. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's okay. And, and. Chances are, you know, if nobody else is using it, that's going to become your sound and bingo. Now you're already on the train to now you stand apart automatically and it can just be just simply the guitar you like, the pedals you like, the amp you like, that's going to give you a sound that's not going to be like the other guys. And that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. And, you know? and I, again, I think, well, you and I both heard this when the first Fender Tone Masters came out, mm -hmm. all the tube heads lost their shit. Yeah. Oh, it can't sound anything like. And then I did a blind test, and nobody could tell the difference. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it it doesn't sound like a real twin or a real deluxe or a real super reverb. Yep. I'm doing the super reverb test again. Yeah. With the Tone Master, and a Kemper, and a Quad Cortex, recording them all. I've got a pretty good ear. Yeah. I can't hear it. They did a good job with that series. They really they did. did. Yeah. Yet there are still people who will say it's garbage because it's not tube. Yeah. And it's not tube. It's also $1,400 less expensive. Yep. Half the weight. Yep. Has a direct interface to your your recording interface. Yes, it does. It's got a- You can attenuate them. You can. It's got a built-in yeah. attenuator. Yeah. It's got two types of cabinet emulation mm -hmm. for the player for whom that works. It's brilliant. And I'm, I mean, I'm thinking about the live person who's going to play a gig. Yeah. Who wants the super reverb sound, but doesn't want the sound guy yelling at them, turn it down. Mm -hmm. They want it loud enough so they can hear it. And they want to run a DI link right to the soundboard and let the sound guy deal with it as he or she chooses is the right thing for the particular venue within the rules and all that. Yep. Man, that's freaking brilliant. It is. It really, really is. You know, as and, somebody who's done sound for loud bands who refuse to turn down, I really appreciate those some of those features and those amps. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> you know, just... Yeah. I think it's Spinal Tap. You know, it, it all goes to 11. Yeah. In what county do you have to stand when it all goes to 11? Yeah. You know, you're, you're, our, our, our peer, Daryl, and I were talking about high watts. Yeah. You know, vintage DR103s. Yep. And high watts were unique because they stayed clean. Yeah. When you turned them up. Mm -hmm. People called them face melters for a reason. Absolutely. Yeah. Because... A DR-103 turned up all the way on a pair of 412s? 
Yeah. We'll kill you. Yeah, that's that's like a weapon at that point. It, it is. Yeah. Ask Pete Townsend yeah. if he could hear you. <laughs> but he can't. Yeah. Because at the time, that was the only way to get the volume to the audience. Mm -hmm. Those days are over. I'm not saying that, you know, there isn't a space for high output tube amps. Yeah. You and I are, are definitely the poster children for keep that alive. Absolutely. Yeah. But it may not be as usable today as it once was. And you don't see anybody doing reviews on no no you really don't i mean there was the new what was the new um the new mesa boogie amp the mark seven yeah when that one came out i was actually surprised by how many reviews i did see but it came and went real real fast real and, fast and you know mesa boogie's got a price point that's not accessible for everybody so that no. probably has to, something to do with it but I, you're right you know it now now it's um you see 10 times more videos on the helix and oh, yeah uh even even the defender the apps we were just talking about oh no because they're more accessible yeah you know absolutely. i've got i don't have a mark seven i have an, i have the original 90 watt bogey mark five yeah it's an incredible amplifier yep but it also has three power levels because it is deafening on, it's deafening <laughs> depending upon where you're playing and how you're using it yeah yeah for sure and that's with a single speaker yeah you jack that thing into a bunch of cabs, which it can handle, mm -hmm. and now you're moving serious air. Yeah. And again, that may not be what the market is prepared for any longer. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting how that is shifting around a little bit. I don't think it's settling in any one particular place either. It's, it, it kind of feels like it's a moving target a little bit. Well, yeah. I found it fascinating a couple of weeks ago uh, to learn that Eric Johnson is playing with the neural quad cortex yeah and this is a guy who ran everything at 100 watts yes i this happened this happened to me recently too i was i i was watching well i was watching youtube as you do and i was watching the the newest rig rundown and there's a guy there's a he's a musician but he's also a producer uh, he owns his own recording studio and he makes pedals and guitars and you know the the heavy he's one of the heavyweight champions for analog gear and you know he has videos on youtube of how he makes his pedals in the basement of his studio and they did a, a rig rundown with him forgive me if i haven't mentioned his name is kurt Ballou plays in a band called converge the name of his studio escapes me now but anyways makes pedals and all this sort of stuff they do a rig rundown with him yesterday and he's he's using a helix yeah a guy who makes pedals has his own own company for doing that and he's using a helix because he not only, you know, they're accessible, right? And they've got all the XLR and a quarter inch outs and all of these things well, they're nowadays. Massively connectable. You, you know, but the but the cost of touring now for and lugging around the tube amps and renting gear, you know, and the inconsistencies in between voltage when you go from, you know, country to country. Not not that I've done that personally, but you know, I understand. But I, even even touring, even here in our home province of Ontario. Yeah. You're going to get different voltages in different clubs that you plug into. 100%. Yeah. You know, like. And having some of the new newer gear that that can handle the variage of voltage and the, and the consistency in your sound. Like, I get the appeal. I okay. certainly understand the appeal of why people are moving there. It's just there's certain experiences that can't be, I find they can't be replicated 100% to see. They can get close. Um, 
when I when I have been that guy, when I've done my Pete Townsend moment and, and you know stood directly in front of my dual rectifier and plugged it into both my four four twelves, you know, there's something there's a brilliance of experiencing that for yourself. Absolutely. But then try to take that and then take that to these smaller places and these smaller venues. And if you're playing original music, forget it. So like, I understand why, why things are shifting around and why people are using different types of gear nowadays. And I think it's all great. You know, if it works for you and you like the sound. If it works for you. I mean, I don't think it's a, you know, know, I, I, I talked to Mick Taylor, who's become not a close friend, but a friend over the last few years from that pedal show. And Mick just doesn't like digital. He likes tube amps and regular pedals, and that's where yeah. he's happy. Yeah, and that's great. He's Absolutely. straight up and he's honest about it. Yep. But he'll also say, "Maybe my mind will change mm-hmm. at some point. Maybe it won't." Yeah. You know, Mark Knopfler said he would never change, and then he did a whole tour using just a Kemper. Yeah. So find the tool. Yeah, absolutely. Find the tool that works for you. Well, you know, let's, if I may, let me, let me put this, this sort of analogy out there. We, I used the analogy of a carpenter earlier. I'm going to go back to that one again. Would, if a carpenter had a gold grate, you know, an armoire or, or a dresser or whatever, do you, would you find it silly if he refused to use electric power tools to, to make it and only used hand tools? If he's, if he's creating the same quality product, no matter what it is, and you're going to get enjoyment out of it, no matter what, like, why would you get hung up on, on the tools? The tools are the tools and they're great. However, you know, at the end of the day, are you going to get that piece of furniture that you're going to enjoy that's built with quality, right? It is any less quality because you use a miter saw as opposed to a hand saw. I don't think so. No, and and I agree. And and as an amateur cabinet maker, yeah, I get that. Yeah, right. You know, I as the amateur cabinet maker get incredible joy out of hand cutting a dovetail and being successful and not screwing it up. Right. But I also know mm-hmm. that if I were a cabinet maker, I could be very consistent with power tools and some automation and I could deliver my level of acceptable quality yeah. in greater volume and therefore greater revenue yes. than if I was hand cutting every piece myself. And, and this exactly reminds me of, I like my tube amps versus I need to travel around. Therefore, I'm going to learn how to use a Helix and use the XLR and quarter inch outs. If you can make it sound great, if you can make it work for you, you know, if you can touch people with your music and have fun while you're playing, as we were talking about before, no matter what, should there be conceptions? Like, should you, should it even matter then? You know, if you're having the fun. Well, and I agree, right? Yeah. You know, I, I use a Kemper. There's one on the table where we're recording today. Mm-hmm. I use a quad cortex. I also have enough. Mm-hmm. Tube amps, because I like tube amps. I like the sound. And if you're standing in front of it, sorry, there is nothing like that. A quad cortex into a pair of excellent FRFRs with a great 
patch still isn't like a, an AC-30 wound up till it's crying. Yeah. It doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Record them. It's different. Put it on a stage in a bar with people drinking and people talking. Right. I'm sorry. The only person who's going to know is the guitar snob in the back row. Yeah. Or if, if, if it's, unfortunately, you know, maybe it's the player who, who some players get hung up on it that bad as well. That, like, oh, yes. They'll let it ruin their entire performance. And like, what a shame, you know? That, well, I feel bad for them because. Yeah, me too. They're, they're taking the arrow and putting it into their own forehead. I agree. I completely agree. And, and I, you know, it's funny that we've like had this, this big chat and like kind of covered a bunch of topics ultimately to, to come back full circle to talk about, you know, why do you do it? Right. You're having fun. Are you having fun? You know, and, and there's going to be other people with opinions along the way. There's going to be different types of gear to get you there along the way. Of course there is. And like that in itself, going through all that stuff can be fun, you know, and that's like the basis of your podcast is talking about all this great gear. You know, and having, and, and, fun, and with having fun with it, right? Um, Not being miserable with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's definitely as a beginner, I can, I can certainly see, especially nowadays with with the amount of options that are out there, trying something because you think it's going to get you exactly where you want to be place. to some place, and and it doesn't hit right away. You know, so I can see getting frustrated, but then you you return it, exchange it, try the next thing, keep going, keep yeah. going. You know, and again. Just to summarize what we were saying earlier, you know, um, you can you can buy the latest thing that's on all the YouTube channels from all these guys and and love it and that's fine. Or, or you can not love it and find that the cheaper fifty you know the fifty dollar clone version of it for some reason you like better and that's okay too. Oh sure, I mean I, I, I've got a, a a listener and a reader whose financial situation said, "Look, there's no way I, I'm not going into a Helix." Mm -hmm. Or even a Helix LT. Yeah. Because I just, it's not right. I have a family. I've got other things that I need to do. I get that. They got themselves a Tomax. Mm -hmm. They love it. It makes them happy. Yeah. They can play and they get the sounds that that person wants. Mm -hmm. And they get a lot of joy out of it. And they'll talk about how much they love their Tomax. Yeah. How much better does it get than that? Exactly. Exactly. You know, if you're, if you're having a good time, you're going to do it more and more and more and want to continue to do it more. I, I don't find it much different than people who, if they go out for a jog every morning, because that, that gives them a charge. You know what I mean? They enjoy it. They enjoy it. So they do it every day. That, that, I mean, that's why we do what we do every day, because we enjoy it. It makes us feel good. You know, and even if some, you know, if some days playing are better than others, or sometimes, sometimes you're a little bit more articulate with your playing and some days you're sloppy, like it doesn't matter. You're still having a good time. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I hope that people, I hope they, especially new players, because we talked about that, that 25 and under demographic and sharing and the, the need for younger people to share and, and all of that stuff. And I hope the need to share doesn't outweigh their personal enjoyment of the process. I hope that they're not looking for the enjoyment from, you know, let me cast this out and see how many likes I can get versus like, hey, you were alone doing that. And did that give you a charge? 
Did that move you on an emotional level in some right. way? That's the sauce, man. You know? It is. And I really hope that it never comes to the point where people lose that. Yeah. Where it becomes mechanical. Mm-hmm. You know, if I release a million tracks, yeah. I'll eventually get a million likes and then I'll be famous. Right. Um, no, actually you won't. Yeah. Because I can tell you as a technology professional, the half-life of a like is four seconds. Mm-hmm. That means that half of the people who liked something forgot about it four seconds later. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's empty, right? It it's empty. empty. Yeah. They're, they're effectively empty calories. Yeah. There's no value to it. Yeah. There's no resonance. Whereas if you play and you have a crap day, but there was that one trill or that one note or that one bend mm-hmm. or that one double stop or that one funk thing on your bass. Yeah. That you can't play again, no matter how much you try. Yeah. But that one thing, it lifted you up. You got an endorphin rush or you got that ASMR chill running up and down your spine. Man, there is nothing like that. Absolutely. So why do we play? If we're not playing for our enjoyment, I ask why at all. I would ask the exact same thing, honestly. Thanks so much, Cody. This was awesome. Thanks for having me again. I know we could go on for longer. <laughs> for sure we could. But I think that, I think it's a good conversation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the listeners get something out of it. I hope so, too. I'm looking forward to the next time we get together. Me too, man. Thank you. For the podcast at ThatGuitarLover.com, I'm Ross. I'm Cody. And we will speak to you again soon. Take care. See ya.